everybody, Stephen Key here. Once again, I have a very special guest, but this is really amazing. I've been in the toy industry years and years ago, and there's one product that I absolutely loved. I thought it was amazing. And I know if you're a little bit older, or even if you're young, it doesn't matter. This, this, this product, this toy, this plush animal was everywhere. Pound puppies. Those lonely pound puppies really need to be rescued. Lots of pound puppies need your love. Ask for me, Petey. And when they're this lonely and this lovable, one more is always welcome. Come share in all our cousin Karen puppy love. Pound puppies. Each sold separately. From Tonka. Now, what's really amazing about this, I have the inventor, Mike Bowling, with us today. The inventor of pound puppies, and he's going to tell us exactly how we did it. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. I, I really, really do. Well, th this is so exciting for me. I'm going to jump in because I, I, I did a little bit of homework and I'm very familiar with Pound Puppies because that's, that's when my career started in the toy industry. It was the mid-1980s and yeah. I was a plush designer. Who would ever want to do that? And so I was... I was I knew exactly, I loved what you were doing. So, okay, Mike, tell us, what is a pound puppy? You know, a pound puppy, uh, when I got the idea, was based on me going to the pound as a child and picking out pets. And I remember when I got the idea, I thought, well, if there's two things people love on this earth passionately, it's their kids and their pets. And some people treat their pets as if they're their, their kids uh, who are, are insane over them. And I always had... Uh, you know, a dog while I was growing up. And when it hit me, I thought, oh, that's it. I'm going to create uh, these puppies that kids can go in and pick out and, and name and create the personal ownership. Uh, you know, when you're doing things, sometimes it's a little bit later on when you realize all the details of what you've done, what you did, but you didn't, uh, didn't realize it at the start. So pound puppies are about a child going to the pound, picking out the pet that they wanted, bringing it home, naming it, which creates a personal ownership and a bond that was extremely unique uh, in the marketplace at that time. Yes, Cabbage Patch was a hit and Cabbage Patch came with names and kids adopted them and, and they came with the predetermined names and different things with them, where pound puppies, as I said, was unique uh, uh, in that it didn't have a name. And that was one of the strongest things. You know, uh, Tonka, who first sold Pound Puppies, put uh, a mail back in offer uh, inside the box where you could name your, uh, your, your dog and get your name on a red plastic tag and they would send it back to you. And I think it was $3.50. And this is back in the 80s and stuff. And it exploded uh, it was the highest ever redemption of a toy when you add something into it. The, they were saying, you know, with Barbie, you know, you, to get something extra for it, it's only like, you know, 10 percent of the of the overall sales, where with Pound Puppies, it was up in the 30 and 40 percent range of kids that were sending in. And Tonka was swamped and had to keep uh, getting larger and larger fulfillment houses to manage it. But but. 
what that says to you is how important it was to that child to name and own that. And, 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 and so that was the, the story behind it. I put them in a box like they were from the pound. But your and, box, wait, 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 stop. Your packaging yeah. was brilliant because, okay. because it was like the, how you carry a pet and you're, you went to the pound and it looked like you were taking your pet home from the pound. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and that was the concept. I remember when I first uh, designed the box myself, I was sitting at Wendy's restaurant. I'd gone to KB and got a poster board and a little exacto knife. And I, I sat with one of my first ever made pound puppies and I set it down, figured out what size it should be, cut it out. I had it enclosed in the front with bars over it. And that was my first prototype that I got made. So the original ones are in a box where you just have to peek through the latticework in the front to see the puppy in there was the way I originally designed it. And then when we got into Tonka, uh, of course, you get suggestions from marketing people. And they said, we need to open it up and show the, you know, we can still do the pound in the box, but we need to put the head out in front where uh, where the kids can see it more visibly than the hidden form that I did. But actually, Irwin Toy in Canada uh, came came out with it first. They were the first company that said they loved it. They took it right on the spot, and they brought it out in the fall of 1984. And in my original packaging okay. and, and everything with the dog, and they shot up to, it shot up to number one new toy in Canada the first year it was introduced. I had read somewhere where you got rejected. You came up with pound puppies. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about the prototyping in just a minute. But you were rejected 14 times? Yes. Oh, yeah. Every company we would go to. And, and I like to tell the story because you, you having been in the industry, you know that rejection is the, the number one thing that you get. You just keep going from the nose until you get a yes. But I, I tell everybody I got all the, the class, which I learned later on as I stayed in this business for 36 years. I got all the classic rejections. It doesn't fit into our current marketing plan. Uh, we've got something else in the plush category, so we can't look at this right now. And I got all of those types of rejections. And I even got one of those special rejections the first time in my life. Uh, I'm sure you remember the uh, toy company Ideal when it in, in business, and uh, I'm not going to name any names of, of people, but I met with the president of Ideal at that time and uh, uh, made my presentation to him. And when I got done, he said, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It looks like it's squatting to pee. And he got up and walked out on me. And I just packed my puppies up and and went on to the next one, you know, and the next one. And then and then we uh, we became uh, number one in the world. No, wait, and... wait, 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 wait. OK, so rejection is part of the game. Yes. It's probably not easy to take. And probably when he said that to you at the time, probably kind of hurt. It's funny now looking back and you tell this story because you were eventually very successful. But how did you get past the rejection? How did you, you know, keep moving forward? You know what? When I came up with the idea, I remember the day I did, I was, you know, in my car and I was slamming my fist on the steering wheel saying, this is it. This is it. I was a factory worker at Ford and had been for, uh, I think, at that point for 17 years. 
and 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 you know I worked there to take care of my wife and kids and stuff, but I did not enjoy working in a hot, loud, oily factory, and my brain constantly thought of ways. So when I got the idea, I said, "This is it," and I was I was just so convinced that this was my opportunity uh, to get out of the factory and do something that I enjoy every day of my life, uh, which is the creative process in creating this. And, and I just, I wouldn't allow any rejection to get in my way. Uh, and, and I, I just kept going on and on. You know, I finally had to make a decision. Uh, Ford, great company to work for. They were really great to me but you're only allowed 90 days leave of absence. And I had used up my 90 days leave of absence and Ford called me into the office and they said, Mike, we love you. You're a great employee, but you don't do us any good when you're not here. So we can't give you any more time off. And so you have to make a choice. It's us or the puppies. And of course I'm chasing it at that time. And, and uh, you know, it's not a, it's not licensed or a success or anything at that point in time. And I was faced with a critical decision. And um, I, and at that, I still do. My uh, youngest daughter has cerebral palsy and, and I had another daughter and uh, the medical benefits were great for me, but I made the choice and I quit. And I was, so there was no option for me other than the success of it. I took away the the option of just settling back into working in the factory. And and I guess that was it for me. It's just the you know, the commitment and the belief in it and I didn't know I didn't know how to do anything I was gonna do. I'd never been in the toy industry, but I knew that I could figure out how to do anything. I, I even had this idea, well, if it does, no toy companies take it, I'm going to start making handmade ones and sell them, you know, like Cabbage Patch was and, and numbering and signing them and, and putting them out that way. Uh, but I just, you know, um, I, I think of myself as that little tiny car that we had when we were young where you pull it back and let it go and it runs across the floor and it hits the wall and flips over and keeps on going. And that's the way I envisioned myself, just, you know, hitting the walls. And trust me, I hit a lot of walls uh, during the, 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 the process of finding somebody, even after finding somebody, as you're well aware of, the troubles that you have in licensing and, and, and marketing within companies and stuff. And so, but I was just, I don't know, I was determined that this was my opportunity and I was going to take it. You know what's interesting? Um... People always ask me, how do I know, when should I give up? And uh, sometimes I'll tell everybody, well, don't quit your day job quite yet. But then again, looking back on my career, I did my best work when my back was up against the wall. That's there, great. There was no plan B. So it's interesting that you said that. So thank you very much. So let's talk about... Um, people are always asking me, you're new to the industry. How do you get to 14 companies? I mean, did you, did you go to a trade show? Did you visit them? I mean, how did you do that? Well, you know, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, one of the things that I've learned, uh, about getting into a business that you know nothing about and you know no one in that 
you can, uh, through networking, what happened to me was through networking, I developed the pound puppies. I was selling some handmade ones and uh, uh, trying to find a home for them. And this uh, local newspaper reporter, a small, small town newspaper, uh, she thought it would be a, a cute story at Christmas time, you know, a factory worker trying to uh, invent a toy. And she ran a little story on it in the, in the local paper and everything. And this is how fate works for you. She went to her family doctor for an appointment, and she mentions to her family doctor, oh, you know, I saw this great toy this guy has invented and that he's uh, going out and, and uh, you know, trying to find a home for. And the, doc the doctor she was with happened to be a friend of a guy by the name of Bob Steiner. And I'm sure you know the Steiner family, Kenner Toy out of Cincinnati, and I was living in the Cincinnati area. And he said, you know, Bob's a consultant in the toy industry. I, you know, you ought to here's here you ought to have him get in touch with Bob Steiner and 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 do that. So uh, I uh, she you know she called me back. She said, here's this number. He thinks you should call this guy. And uh, I contacted Bob. He was in Washington D.C. working for the Federal Trade Commission. They had sold Kenner Toy. Their family had. His father and uncle started it. But uh, Bob was in Washington, D.C. I made an appointment to see him. I was living uh, in the Cincinnati area at the time. Uh, but they, if, I, if I drove to Columbus, I could get a flight for $25 on People Express to Washington, D.C. So I drove to Columbus, Ohio, got on the plane, flew in, met with Bob, made my pitch to him. Uh, luckily, he, he loved the pound puppies. And Bob became my consultant slash agent. And, you know, I have people, and I, I want to make this point now, I have people tell me, well, you were lucky, you know, meeting Bob. And I, I don't agree with that from one standpoint. Had I not gone through the exercise of developing it, pursuing it, making the samples, putting the samples out, there would have never been a newspaper story. There would have never been an opportunity to meet Bob Steiner. So you have to get to that point. And of course, through networking and talking to people, somebody's going to say, well, you need to talk to this guy or that guy. And I was just a factory worker. I don't have a college education, but um, I knew how to put things together. I, I, no, what I meant to say was I, I know that there are people that can do the things that I need done out there whether it's a lawyer, which was the first person I ever went to with my idea, intellectual property attorney. And, uh, and he started me off, you know, with uh, one line that ended up being the, the, the greatest thing that he told me. You know, I met with him and I, I sh sh told him about my idea. None were created at that time. I said, I got this great idea. I'm going to make these dogs. I'm going to put them in a box. I'm going to call them pound puppies. Kids are going to adopt them. And, uh, and he looked across the table at me and he says, you can't own an idea. And I stopped and he says, you can own copyrights, trademarks, and patents, but you can't own an idea. So you have to create it and then we'll be able to file for the different things for you. And once you've got the protection, then you can go out and it belongs to you and you can offer it to people, you know. And uh, I didn't know the difference between licensing and selling it or any of those components. But, uh, you know, Bob Steiner helped me through. So, so getting to those companies, you found somebody, you had to do a lot of work, but you found the right guy that had connections, knew people that got out in front. Let's talk about that first time you pitched 
to him. Did you know yeah. how to pitch? And what, what was your pitch? Did you say, hey, this is a, a plush uh, animal for boys and girls that you could adopt? I, how was the pitch? Do you remember that at all? Yes, I do, because uh, it, if you realize that when you come up with an idea, which I know you do, it goes from your head to your heart and your own inner belief uh, that comes with that. And so I went in and sat down and pitched Bob the same way that I pitched it to all those companies later on, you know, uh, based on my love and growing up. Uh, we, we weren't poor, but we were lower middle class. And where did you go when you were growing up? You went to the pound to get a dog. And I just told the story to him of what Pound Puppies was about. And it was that kids could go to the store and and pick out their own pet. They could name it because it had an identity without having a name. It was a pound puppy. So once they named it, it created that personal ownership to the kid. How did you feel from getting those rejections to this thing just caught on? I mean, was it were you were you giving yourself a high five or did you did you tell yourself I knew I could do it? And how did you feel? You know, uh, I, 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 you know, I couldn't believe everything that was happening because when you go from working in a factory and a good night out is, you know, McDonald's in a movie, you know, with your, your, your wife and kids to this success that shot up like a rocket, I, it was like I was pinching myself every day. And I want to tell you something, uh, 36 years later, I still pinch myself every day and and am in such awe of of the success that I've in, enjoyed that it's just, you know, it's it's uh, a, it's a phenomenal feeling. And I, I tell everybody, uh, they always say, well, why did you do it? Why did you quit Ford? Why did you do all these things that you did and everything with it? Of course, I believed in it. But my goal and I had it, I had cut it out and put it on my desk and I'm, I'm bad well, I mean, I'm really good for doing that. I've got notes all over my desk and on the wall and everything else constantly when I see something that I like, a phrase or something. And one of the things that I uh, cut out and had on my desk before Pound Puppies was ever licensed or anything, it said, if I can be given a living in doing something that I enjoy every day, then that in itself is wealth. And it hit me so hard because, you know, as I said, Ford was a great company to work for, but I really didn't like what I was doing. And as I understand it, a lot of people don't really like what they do on a daily basis. But this gave me that opportunity to do that. And I've loved every, I still love it to today. And in spite of all the business problems that you have and the stresses and the things that go with it, I, I still wake up every morning happy that uh, I get to do the things I do. And I love the creative process. I've probably licensed 25 or 30 other items, you know, around the world since then. Uh, Pound Puppies was number one. None of the other items hit that level. They were successful, like you had a double or uh, a triple or something like that, but, you know, not the home run. But I've, 
so I'm still in that I'm still in that okay. process of uh, of creatively coming up with ideas. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, my father told me when I was I think 19. He said, "Look, if you find something you truly love to do, you'll never work a day in your life." Yeah. And and I jumped off that 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 cliff like you did. So I'm really glad you said that because it was never about it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the success. It was about doing something you truly loved and. And the success will follow, I think, if you stay with it. So, yeah. let me tell you something. A lot of people don't understand. I even have had I had a company executive, the president of Galoob at the time, uh, when Pound Publics was with Galoob. Uh, he said to me, "You know, Mike, I don't understand you." And I said, well, "What do you mean?" He said, "The majority of the time, I'm arguing with, you know, the the uh, licensor." And he said, "It's not that way with you." And I said, well, here's how I approach things. I approach it that, number one, the concept has to succeed. Because if it doesn't, number two and number three get nothing. Number two, I work that my partner succeeds. So anything that I can do to help him succeed, I know he's going to put more into it and work harder. And then I don't worry about number three because I'll tell you if one and two work, Number three is going to be happy. And and that's the way I always approach. And I have since the day I started. And I value my business relationships more than I do uh, money or or any of those things. I value, you know, I've, I've been blessed in that back when I started Pound Puppies, uh, most companies at that time didn't have international operations, toy companies. They had different companies within those countries that sold their products for them. Like uh, Kenner, the reason we ended up in Inner Toy at, at um, Irwin Toy is that Kenner sold all their toys through Irwin, so Bob knew them really well, you know, the Kenner products in Canada. And we ran around the world and licensed it uh, in 28 separate countries that covered 52 different countries because you know some of the licensees had multiple territories that were theirs but i established relationships with uh people in the toy industry around the world and and the majority of all of those companies at that time were family started businesses throughout europe where the families had their grandfathers had started the toy companies and they now had them so I just, I had a, a network, and you know what? I still to today can call uh, Jorgen's store from Schmitzville, you know, 36 years later. Of course, he's getting old like me, too. But, uh, well, let's, I want to talk about this. Um... 